Welcome to the Impact 360 Institute podcast, where our goal is to explore biblical worldview and servant leadership to equip you for everyday influence. Here's your host, author and director of cultural engagement, Jonathan Morrow. Welcome to the Impact 360 Institute podcast. How should Christians respond in light of the killing of George Floyd? Like me, I'm sure you watched the video of George Floyd and his death just unfold and we're horrified by it. And we stop and we think, you know, what can be said that will help? What can be done? Not saying anything isn't an option, but what can we say that will be helpful during a time like this? And as I was looking around and listening to different responses by different leaders, normally on a podcast like this, I would interview a prominent leader or author on a book or a conversation, but then I came across a message by Dr. Tony Evans that he shared on his personal Instagram account that I thought was just very challenging and very helpful and very appropriate. And what I want to do in this podcast is share that with you in its entirety and direct you to see further resources on Dr. Tony Evans' Instagram and other things he has available. But I also want to share a little bit about Dr. Tony Evans and why it's really appropriate for him to speak to this. Dr. Tony Evans is the founder and senior pastor of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas. He's the founder and president of the Urban Alternative, chaplain of the NBA's Dallas Mavericks, and author of over 100 books, booklets, and Bible studies. He's the first African-American to earn a doctorate of theology from Dallas Theological Seminary. He has been named one of the 12 most effective preachers in the English-speaking world by Baylor University. Dr. Evans holds the honor of writing and publishing the first full Bible commentary and study Bible by an African-American. His radio broadcast, The Alternative with Dr. Tony Evans, can be heard on more than 1,300 U.S. outlets daily and in more than 130 countries. Dr. Evans launched the Tony Evans Training Center in 2017, an online learning platform providing quality seminary-style courses for a fraction of the cost to any one person in any place. The goal is to increase Bible literacy, not only in lay people, but also in those Christian leaders who cannot afford nor find the time for formal ongoing education. Dr. Tony Evans was married to Lois, his wife and ministry partner of over 50 years until Lois transitioned to glory in late 2019. They're the proud parents of four, grandparents of 13, and great-grandparents of two. And for more information, you can visit TonyEvans.org. You know, sometimes I'm asked, what's the most important book people could read on different topics? And when we come to this topic of ethnic or racial reconciliation, the first book that I always recommend, and I think that every Christian in America should read, especially my white brothers and sisters to read, is a book by Tony Evans called Oneness Embraced, Reconciliation, the Kingdom, and How We Are Stronger Together, because I've always appreciated and benefited from Dr. Evans' biblically-centered and kingdom-minded approach to this. He's lived it. He's done it. He's practiced what he's preached. And I just really thought his words were challenging, but also uh, very prophetic for what we as Christians and followers of Jesus can do and say in a time like this. So I hope you're challenged by these words. The loss, the precious loss of a life, that of George Floyd, has just ripped at my heart and at the heart of a nation. 
to see his life snuffed out the way it was is somewhat overwhelming and it's piercing. But it's not a singular individual situation. There's life after life after life uh, over years that have been unjustly and unrighteously taken. Endemic of a problem that really needs deep fixing. You know, we're in a medical pandemic right now. Simultaneously, we're in a cultural pandemic because we're seeing the devolution of our society. And we're in a cultural pandemic because we're in a spiritual pandemic. We have wandered away from a, a value system that was established by God for how human beings were to live and act and relate to one another. Across racial and class lines, we have come up with our own standards and it has not done us good. It is absolutely needed right now that there needs to be a reset. And this is the time to do it when it has everyone's attention at the very same time. The Bible is clear. In Psalm 89, verse 14, it says, From God's throne comes righteousness and justice. And this is not a, a seesaw where sometimes you go for righteousness and sometimes you go for justice. These are twin towers. These are twins. They're always to be balanced side by side. Righteousness is the moral standard of right and wrong to which God holds men accountable based on his divine standard. Justice is the equitable and impartial application of God's moral law in society. And God wants both. Yes, he wants to protect the life of the unborn in the womb, but he wants to see justice of the life once born to the tomb. In other words, God wants a whole life agenda, not a term agenda. But unfortunately, all lives aren't valued the same way. And they ought to be because every person is created in the image of Almighty God. It is now time on a personal level and a systemic level that we reverse the course of history that has brought us to this point and that we reverse it on all levels. God has four levels in which life is to be lived and therefore there are four levels in which changes need to be made. I call it and we call it the kingdom agenda, the visible manifestation of the comprehensive rule of God over every area of life. It starts with an individual. It starts with you. Don't try to change the nation if God can't even change your heart. In other words, we have to develop a heart that cares for our fellow man because they're created in the image of God, not because they look like us or have what we have, but because they have the stamp of divine creation on them. And that means that you have the responsibility to reach out to somebody different than you. Let them understand where you came from, where you come from, uh, the things that have influenced your perspective. Hear from them and give them an audience and then both of you find out what God has to say about the matter so that he can keep everybody straight. And then there's your family. We must be transferring 
values to our children. Don't expect them to think differently and act differently if they aren't hearing differently from their parents, if they're not getting a, a righteous value system of, of judging people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. It means you connect with other families who may be different than you, and you not only get to know them, but guess what you do? As families together, you go serve another family that's worse off than you. Because guess where reconciliation happens? It doesn't happen in seminars. That's information. Reconciliation happens in service. So as an individual and as a family, with another family different than you, serve somebody worse off than you, and now you are part of the solution through good works that God calls us all to do. And then the church. The biggest problem in the culture today is the church because the church has failed. We wouldn't even have a racial crisis in America if the church had not failed to deal with this sin like God calls it in his word. But because it passed it off, ignored it, and even promoted it, we still have this division in our culture. So don't expect God to fix the White House if he can't even change the church house. Churches don't just get together for joint worship services. That's, that's great. That has, its, that has its benefits. But it also addresses the issue of inequity, whether it's racial inequity or economic inequity or health care inequity or opportunity inequity. It, it, it recognizes the systems that are at work, that work against the fair treatment of people, creating the opportunity for them to take advantage of all that God has blessed us with in this nation, but they do it in such a way where people are held accountable to be responsible for their decision-making. And then it speaks to the culture at large. It speaks not, first of all, from a political platform. It speaks, first of all, from a bibliocentric platform. Since God doesn't ride the backs of donkeys or elephants, the church must speak with one voice because we have one God, one Lord Jesus Christ, and one inerrant word to speak from. And yes, we should protest evil in a righteous way. We should let our voices be heard, but then we must act because if we don't act, all we did was have a speech. We must implement righteous principles modeling it through the church so we can see what it looks like in the broader society. And then finally, we must challenge our civil leaders on all levels of government to be agents of healing and not division, to speak in such a way where unity is reinforced and not divisiveness, that the words that come out of their mouth and the way they say the words that come out of their mouth must be words of strength and kindness, not vitriol and meanness. And when those four areas, the individual, the family, the church, and the community begin to operate that way based on God's standard, then he can feel comfortable to get back in the midst of us and make us repairers of the breach and healers of the land. And so this starts off with prayer. 
And I don't just mean say, God help us, no. I'm talking about where we repent of where we fail to do what he says do the way he says do it. Where we realign ourselves under his authority while pursuing a relationship with him where his word can overrule our ideas, perspectives, and agendas. And then he will listen to your prayers because you're praying like he wants you to pray, not like you want to pray. When that kind of prayer goes up with that kind of action supporting it, ah, now, now we're ready to see what he will do in healing our land. So what should we do now? First of all, as an individual, you should, and I encourage you to righteously protest unrighteousness wherever you find it. To do so with truth, to do so with love, but to do so with clarity. But then act. Be part of the solution, not just part of the complaint. Build a bridge with somebody different than you. And then the two of you together go help somebody worse off than the two of you. Because now you're part of the solution and not just somebody complaining about the problem. Then as families. Uh, I'm a father. I've had to have the talk with my sons and grandsons about what happens when a policeman pulls you over and you go the extra mile because you don't know where this policeman is coming from in their perspective. Uh, but then you teach your children principles of character. You develop their character to judge people rightly by their character and not their color. But then you connect with other families different than yours in color, in class. And together, then you go minister to somebody else worse off than your family. It's a single parent family that's hurting, a family that's lost its job. You do it together because the best way to reconcile is through service, not just through having discussions and seminars. And then as churches, I'm a pastor. A lot of this falls because the church has failed. We have been bifurcated illegitimately. We have let race overrule God's rule in our lives and in our decision making. And it is time now for the church to be what the head of the church, Jesus Christ, called it to be the repairer of the breach in our culture. And that must mean that we not just stand up against personal sins, but corporate sins and systemic sins. And that voice must be heard. We shouldn't pick and choose. And it should be one voice where God has spoken and has not stuttered. It should not be an uncertain sound coming from the church when we have a certain sound coming from our master. And if churches would come together in communities all over the country as one church with different expressions, with unity of purpose, not uniformity of persons, where you adopt all the public schools in your community and minister to the at-risk schools or where every church adopts a homeless family so that homelessness is eradicated, which it could be overnight if every church did it. So we become the solvers of the problem, so people would now be willing to listen to our sermons and songs because they see our impact. And yes, that means addressing the structures in our society that perpetuate evil. Righteous protest collectively is absolutely biblical. 
That's why Paul protested in Acts chapter 16, the last five verses, when he was arrested unrighteously. And he complained both biblically and civilly that that was illegal. We must take our stand, but we must not only take it in speech, but in action that gives visible to our verbal. And then our civic leaders. We need to challenge them from the State House to the House of Congress to the White House to act and speak civilly, that their language must be healing words, not hurting words, unifying words, not divisive language. They must be spoken to, complimented for their strengths, but condemned for their failures. And then we must challenge them since they influence the systems of the land to make sure those systems are operating righteously and with equity for all, and not just for a privileged few. When we begin to act like that on all four levels, then we'll see God do some amazing things because he can be at home in the creation that he made. For more information about our on-campus worldview and leadership experiences for students and our accessible online courses like Explore Truth and Explore the Resurrection, visit impact360.org. Impact 360 Institute. Know. Be. Live.